0: Hello to all my people, and if you're listening to this podcast, you are most definitely my people. Welcome to another episode of Botch and Chair Shots. We still have high hopes of delivering quality wrestling content, but at worst, we'll deliver mediocre wrestling content. But we'll sprinkle in some Shark Week facts and mean tweets, you know, should we still get over it. I'm your host, a chef by trade and a mark by choice. I am the Will Gray, and I'm glad to be here with you on this journey. And today, that journey will be our superstar showcase. Remember, here at Botch, Spots and Share Shots, we're calling in the ring from all the angles. All right, everybody, joining me once again is the man with one yellow shoe, the yellow shoe guy himself, Bobby Mack. Bobby, how are you, brother?
1: Doing well. How about
0: yourself? Good, man. So we're going to keep going with our last conversation the last time you and I were together we spent some time talking about the shield now we're going to go into another faction that came out around the same time in the Wyatt family so uh let's go ahead and get started there and uh you take the the first at bat and let's go with it
1: yeah um so I guess you know they were getting really big in uh, NXT um I was not a NXT watcher at that point in time uh, my first real experience with them is. The first time I saw them on Monday Night Raw, um, you know, coming out and just right away, I was like, wow, like from the music, the entrance, just they they felt like stars, like they felt like these are characters. Like this brought me back to 1980s WWF wrestling, like, but it still felt real enough to be in today's society.
0: I definitely like 100% feel that. I like the idea of when they first started bringing this together, that evil occult, like backwoods, like country, like family. I thought that was a super cool little twist on it too when they first came through. Um, So all three of these guys, when we talk about the main components of who the Wyatt family is to me, I think of uh, Eric Rowan. I think of Bray Wyatt, obviously. And then I think of, uh, Brody Lee. I was trying to figure out which name I was going to call him. I wanted to, yeah. I was going to say, Luke, which one? Yeah. Uh, um, so Brody Lee and uh, Luke Harper, when he was in NXT, for some reason I can't ever remember Luke Harper. I always immediately revert to Brody Lee.
1: Every time. You know, it's funny. It's probably my generation of being a star Wars fan, but like Luke is just like the one that I naturally go to. Um, yeah. I, you know, those are the three guys that you got to, you know, really consider the whites. You know, I know, Daniel Bryan was in there for a minute. Braun Strowman, Randy Orton, but really, you know, those guys were in and they were out. Um, you know, the Wyatts were Harper uh, Wyatt and um, now you make me forget one Rowan. Uh, yeah. yeah. So you, know, I think, like the way they did it too was, you know, years ago I remember WWF had a guy that dressed kind of like braided, um, and it really didn't get over very well. Um, I can't remember the guy's even name at this point. Uh, but it was um, it was Dan Spidey from the former U.S. Express who replaced Barry Wyndham back in the 80s. And he just it, it just didn't catch on. And, you know, what I think is he lacked the music part and the background, though, that they put with the Wyatts. Like they even put them from Snakebite, Florida. Like that's that's a detail that a lot of people like miss. Like that's that's like this abandoned town in Florida um, that they just said, hey, you know, this is where these guys are from. So, you know, just like Truth or Consequences, New Mexico for Mick Foley or Parts Unknown for The Undertaker or Death Valley for The Undertaker later on, you know, they they put those little details in there. And I think the little details are what makes big characters.
0: I feel like the storytelling side of things, you and I use that term a lot when we talk about wrestling because we both, we come from the generation of the territories and the storytellers back when guys still wrestled in the ring that way and i feel like that's how i feel about this gimmick as a whole for bray and compared to this run and then the eater of worlds and then the fiend if you kind of look at his his career in a whole i don't want to get too far ahead of myself but i feel like the wyatt family gimmick based around all of that was a great story to tell because it talked about um rowan and harper being his sons and the way they came up together and then when they would, you know, baptize the guys that would come into the the family with Strowman and uh, when Randy Orton joined, because you think about somebody like Orton joining the group, he didn't need the Wyatt family. He was established a multi-time world champion by the time he joined them. but like he gave something to the faction at the time.
1: Yeah, you know, Orton and Daniel Bryan's the same way. They're both former world champions. You know, obviously Orton had been in the Um, business a lot longer also you know a third generation wrestler you know he didn't need the Wyatts like he gave more credibility to the Wyatts when he joined them Um, you know same thing with Daniel Bryan Randy was probably the I'd say the sore thumb of the entire group like he's the guy that did not look like a Wyatt family member you know no beard no straggly hair Um, you know from day one you could always tell Randy Orton this is setting up a feud with Bray um, you know, where Braun, you weren't really sure. Daniel, you kind of thought about it because he was such a good guy with the yes movement. Um, but yeah, Randy, Randy didn't have to do it. Um, it seems like to me, this was like Randy Orton kind of giving back to another third generation wrestler in Bray Wyatt.
0: I, I definitely, as the, the Rotundum family as a whole, you know, him and his brother, both Bo Dallas was in uh, Nexus. He was a, He was in the storyline to join the Wyatt family, but then he like turned his back on his brother and never actually become a member. Um, So looking at that, talking about some of the people these guys feuded with, especially early on on their first main roster run around that 2013, 2014 range, um, we're talking about like the three-man band days. And I just recently talked to somebody about that because they didn't know that group existed. And it's one of those, it's like the spirit squad. Like, you remember those guys? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's like that. It's one of those, like, forgotten gimmicks that you never really think about, and then it comes back out, and you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot that existed. But Drew McIntyre, Heath Slater, and Jinder Mahal in a, in a faction together, with Heath Slater being the leader of the three, which in my head, like, compared the Drew McIntyre and Jinder Mahal, multi-time world champions now, and Heath Slater
1: was their leader. I know it's, it's almost like going back to our last conversation on the shield. Like Dean Ambrose started as the leader and now he's kind of the forgotten member of the shield, unless you're an AEW fan. Um, You know, he's, he's been pushed aside and even pushed out of the company. So yeah, it's, it's amazing to see, like, you know, I guess like Randy Savage said, the cream always rises to the top. And when you join a faction like this, the cream does rise to the top. And I think, you know, the Wyatt family, the shield, um, all of them, um, and three-man band, especially. You know, the the Federation chooses who they think should be the leader, but the fans and the personalities, once they're actually on screen, determine who the true leader is.
0: So looking at it right now, let's talk about some other championships that they've won. We know that Harper and Rowan won the NXT titles, uh, NXT tag team titles. Uh If I remember right, that was when Corey Graves, believe it or not, the the ring announcer on Monday Night Raw now, he was tag team partners with Pac back when he was Adrian Neville. And they were NXT tag team champions together. And that's who Rowan and Harper beat to win them when they got their first tag team title reign. So like a little bit of trivia there. That's the only, as far as I know, that's the only title that Corey Graves held in the WWE. And I might be wrong. I might have to fact check that. But, uh, yeah,
1: that that one's over my head because I didn't follow Corey Graves' career. I didn't even know who Corey Graves was until he ended up on Raw as a commentator. And I was like, who's the guy with the big tattoo on his neck?
0: So you didn't watch him in NXT? Like, did you? Watch no, I never. I've, so did, did you watch any of the early NXT stuff at all?
1: No, no, I was, a. Uh, I just wasn't into NXT. Like, I, I didn't watch any of the stuff on, uh, were they on YouTube or were they always on the network? Um, um
0: early on, I think they were on, I think they were only on the network at first.
1: Okay. Yeah, I, I just never, like, I never got into it. Um, you know, the the small crowd um, feel and everything like that, the, the dark, it just didn't, I don't know, like, that. that's not my wrestling anymore. Like, it's, I know it's Triple H's, I know it's territory wrestling. Um, at least that's what, you know, what they try to make it feel like, but it's not. And I, I never felt like, I never felt that connection with NXT when I watched it.
0: See, in my personal opinion, NXT is my favorite of the three brands. And I would almost venture to say, depending on what day of the week it is, I would put NXT UK above Monday Night Raw because they've got some great guys wrestling over there. But specifically about our NXT on this side of the pond, have you seen the new gimmick they're doing with like the bright colors and the spray paint and the new logo and all of that where they're rebranding NXT?
1: No, I haven't seen any of that. I, last time I saw it, it was still black and yellow, and it was probably still in the Thunderdome.
0: Um, they do – well, they're in the Capital Wrestling Center. They never went to the Thunderdome. They've always been in the CWC, which was the, uh, the old school, like, Florida Championship Wrestling, like, before WWE's Florida Championship Wrestling. Like right. The old school territory in Florida. Um, but they're doing a whole rebranding. So they've done, like, the last three or four weeks have been taped episodes because they're getting ready to go roll back into live episodes this coming Tuesday. Like tomorrow, I believe is the first live episode. So that would be uh, the 31st or it might be the following week, one of these, but they're going to roll this whole new like concept of what NXT is going to be now. And it's supposed to be the true third brand, but it's going to be specifically for it, They're going to be able to make it a third brand, but still be developmental. So, so Vince maybe- is finally paying attention to
1: NXT and he's going to put his fingerprint
0: on it. Kind of. Yeah. I think that's how I mean, Kevin Dunn. Um, No, I would definitely say it's probably more Nick Kahn and Vince than anybody else. John Laurinaitis too. Johnny Ace probably has his thumb in there more than he probably has more in Hunter's ear than any of the other guys do.
1: Yeah, I think that might be fair because I know I know Kevin Dunn and Triple H do not get along. Um, At least that's what I've heard. Um, Like it's rumor is like, you know, once Vince finally passes, uh, Kevin Dunn will be the first guy to get fired. Uh, according according to things that i hear you know jim Cornette and stuff like that but uh yeah i don't know i i guess i'd be interested to check it out um i just i just never have gotten like the characters like um like ricochet i met in the circuit a couple times so i i get him like I, i i like him i don't know if i want to watch him every day on wrestling or cedric alexander same thing um and the guys that they've sent up from nxt uh like the smaller guys like uh Johnny Gargano and um the Champa, like I just don't, I don't get them. Like, and I don't get Nakamura. Like, I just don't get them. Like, it's that's not the wrestling I want to watch.
0: So you don't like like catch ass, catch can, like you know strong style. Or are you more of like a like an old? You're, I mean, I know you're an old school wrestling fan, but like, so you just don't like the style of modern wrestling? Is that what you're saying? Do you have? Is it like? Were you a fan of like luchadors like back in the day? Eddie Guerrero like. Rey Mysterio when he was younger um, Dean Malenko like these young cruiserweight guys that like fast paced traditional matches lots of flying dives like did you like that then
1: because I see so, of- yeah like what I would say is I liked them because I knew them and I didn't know them right away but the character development of WCW back then like the LWO um, the luchas—they didn't just—they didn't just bring in the luchas and just throw them in there. Like even—what um, was it? Uh, was it psychosis that had the chair? No. Or was that him? Yeah. Like you, I cared about the character. So the character was first and foremost, and then following the in-ring work. Like you know, I'm sure Champa can do an amazing match, but he's never done anything for me like character-wise to make me even care about him to want to watch his match. Um,
0: But how much have you watched of him though? Did you go all the way back to like the cruiserweight classic stuff when him and Gargano first got to NXT? Like when they first came up, did you see? Yeah. I like, I've seen some of the
1: stuff. It's so I'll say it like this, like Hulk Hogan versus Andre the giant in Shea stadium, not WrestleMania, but in Shea stadium in 1982, I think it was. I'm not interested in that match. Hulk Hogan versus Andre the giant WrestleMania three. I'm interested. There's a story. There's the, you know, the good guy versus bad guy, best friend turns on the other one, joins his worst enemy with Bobby Heenan. There's a story behind it. And that match to me is more enjoyable than watching the Shea stadium match, even though the Shea stadium match is Andre at a much better workable rate. He's got some, you know, good moves in there for a big man. Um, But the story's not there. And I've got to have the story to really be into the match. Like, People can say, you know, like Flair, Steamboat, phenomenal matches, but also the story that built up the Flair, Steamboat, one, two, and three in WCW, that, that's what got me hooked. Um, Savage versus Steamboat, same thing, story, got me hooked. George Steele versus Randy Savage, terrible matches, but the stories were so good, I was compelled to cheer for that good guy to beat the bad guy, and that's that's the kind of wrestling I like. I want... I want that backstory, you know, Dusty Rhodes getting jumped by the horseman in a parking lot that I want that story. Um, You put, um, you just throw two guys, you know, you put Chris Jericho versus Eddie Guerrero and I don't know them in Japan matches. I don't really care. I don't care they're doing their moonsault flips, or anything like that. You put Jericho versus Guerrero in WCW where I know that Jericho is this total goof, you know, and a great wrestler, Eddie Guerrero's comes from this family, you know, background, great wrestler then they go in and have that match it's phenomenal i i'm into that match but you tell you show me their indie stuff i'm probably not going to be into it because i don't know them at that point like it might be cool to watch it but i need to, i need something to build up to the match like i i don't want i don't uh said almost said the wrong words um i don't want to climax before i do some foreplay
0: i get that so looking at it from that perspective, then, then wrapping back around to NXT, like, is that the perspective of it then? Is you think that that's been your aversion to the black and gold brand is because it has that more independent draw and it doesn't have the long-term storytelling that you might get from a Raw or a SmackDown?
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, and I'm an indie guy. Like I worked in the matches and, you know, do all that kind of stuff, but I could say, you know, I'm going to get buried here is, some of the indie promoters that I worked for would just do that same mentality of throwing things on the TV or at the event just because they're like, Oh, you know, this name versus this name, you know, everybody's going to want to see this, but not everybody wants to see that. Like they want to get a build to it. Like they want to know why these two guys are fighting. Like, why is there a fight? Like, why, why are the two men feel like they need to go in the middle of this ring in front of all these people and beat the hell out of each other. And get their hand raised. And that's that's the important part that I think misses a lot. Like I just saw on WWE.com today, um, Bobby Lashley on his last nerve, or you know, the last nerve of Sheamus. And last I saw last week, Bobby Lashley was fighting Goldberg. Sheamus was fighting some other guy. So how in seven days, all of a sudden the headline is, Bobby Lashley on his last nerves with Sheamus. Like where'd that feud happen? And why do I want to watch that match?
0: I feel like that whole – that's the problem, though, with Raw, in my opinion, and I've said it multiple times, and I've tweeted about it every Monday pretty regularly, that in my opinions, Raw is laden with just lazy booking. Because exactly the way you said it, Sheamus was just in a huge rivalry with Damian Priest leading up to SummerSlam when Priest took the U.S. heavyweight title from him. But then you think about the fact that, like, as soon as that happened, Sheamus and like Lashley were tag team partners. Then they hated each other. And that was the one week, like, storytelling that led to these, this like Lashley Sheamus thing. But Goldberg also hasn't been seen again since SummerSlam. So we're not like, he's only got, Goldberg's only supposed to have two contracted matches this year. We saw him at the Royal Rumble. Um, against Drew McIntyre and what you and I both agreed was maybe the worst WWE, like WWE heavyweight title defense of all time. Like that was like three and a half minutes of ring work that looked like the guys were just tired and lazy. Like, and I love Drew. I think his character's great now, but I feel like that was just a terrible match. So that one, and we'd got the SummerSlam match against Slashley where he got hurt, but I don't want to digress too, too much. Yeah, I was gonna say, because we we could do a
1: whole episode on Goldberg and how much he sucks and how much he sucked in his heyday when even Kevin Nash, who's not known as a worker, talks bad about Bill Goldberg not being able to go three minutes and now you want to do 15-minute matches. That was 30 years ago, 25 years ago. Now you're asking him to come out here and do 10-minute matches with guys that are 20 years younger than him and expect a different result. And it's it's just it's ludicrous. Goldberg sucks. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well <laughs> let's just go ahead and move forward with the wyatt family and leave <laughs> bill goldberg out of this um oh yeah that's now, right that's what we're talking about when they get to the that the wyatt family let's not forget what this whole conversation is to <laughs> be about um so we, we move on to the main roster now so during the time of the wyatt family and the various incarnations because you had a little bit of a lull in that 2015 2016 range where there wasn't a Wyatt family to speak of everybody had kind of went on their own separate ways but when they were together in both entities you had Bray Wyatt winning his first world heavyweight title then you had the Smackdown uh tag team championships they did that under the Freebird rule with Randy Orton Bray Wyatt and it was uh it was Luke Harper was because Rowan had been free. He was doing the Eric Redbeard stuff. He was off by himself, and that was after Orton had came in. But they were the the Freebirds version of the Wyatt family, where they all three counted as being tag team champions. And I know you have a deep seated love for the Freebirds, right?
1: Oh yeah, Badge for USA. Um, <laughs> you know the Freebirds. The, that was an amazing rule, especially for back then, because like this is like the mid '80s, and wrestling is very. It's it's driven by rules at that point in time. Like if you weren't grabbing on the tag rope, then you didn't make a tag. If you didn't have your hand over the top rope, then the tag didn't count. Um, so it was very rule driven, and for the freebirds to come in um, to WCCW and create this entire new rule, um, some you know obviously it's named after them, but it's that that's like they changed professional wrestling, and you know. Some people have, you know, mixed feelings on Michael Hayes, um, Buddy Rogers, or uh, not Buddy Rogers, uh, Buddy Roberts, and Terry Gordy. But that that was something that you know that's that's something that changed professional wrestling. And I think you know for the Wyatts to use this, and even you know uh, New Day uses it now, and you know various groups use it. When you talk about lazy booking, that's actually I would say the beginning of lazy booking, but it's transcended time to now where it's no longer lazy booking, it's being creative um, and being able to, to have a good match with the guys that you need to have in the ring.
0: Um, I mean, yes and no. I just feel like the whole concept behind it is is lazy because you don't really have to build a story if anybody can just walk in and be part of the tag. That would be like if DX had applied the Freebird rule when the New Age Outlaws won it. And DX as a whole got to claim the tag team championship. So at any point you could get like X-Pac and Triple H. You know what I mean? And it could be a tag team, world tag team title defense. And you would never know which two members of the group you would end up with. Because that's how Bray did it for a while. He would show up to the ring and he would pick who he wanted to be in the match.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, um, you know, to me, like it, it was more of a demonstration of Bray's power over his group. Um, and also being a good coach, you know, he's like Bobby Bowden out there. He's, he's picking who he wants to put in for that play, you know, knowing that, you know, this guy or this guy or myself, are going to be the ones that are going to be able to beat this other team. Um, so yeah, I could, I could definitely, I could definitely agree with you on that.
0: So as we, as we move along with the white family, they go through, they've got a lot of like big things they rivalry with Kane they go back and forth with Ambrose they've got like a little bit of stuff back and forth there so let's take a look at it now as a whole like as the guys starting to get ready to break up let's kind of look at the individual members as a whole and what we'll do is we'll start with the the short timers so somebody like Randy Orton that goes without saying the man's a an umpteenth million time world heavyweight champion I think he's up to 14 is that right yeah I think it's somewhere around there He's tied with Triple he, H, I think, at fourteen.
1: Yeah, um, and he's been part. You know, he's been part of a million groups, um, whether as a leader or a follower. Um, so yeah, like I said he's the one I just don't think fits into the family.
0: Um, then we go to the mon- the the monster among men, Braun Strowman. He came in as the black sheep of the family. He was like the the tank and the beast. Um, he had some success. He was a intercontinental champion. He was a universal champion. Like, he had some some great success as a, a guy. I feel like the problem with Strowman, though, his gimmick was one-sided, and I don't feel like he never worked well as a big man. He never learned how to, like, work as a giant.
1: Yeah, um, I was never a Strowman fan. Um, you know, when he got uh, fired this year, I really, I was shocked at the fact that he's a WWE type of guy, um, but to me he was, he was never over by himself. And even in the Wyatt family, I feel like he copied Eric Roman's gimmick. Like he was just wearing a black mask instead of the white sheet mask. Like it just, it's like, he just, okay, here, I'm going to wear this one today. Um, like I don't get it. Like I didn't get him from the beginning and their push for him to be a major single star. I didn't get that either because I just don't feel like the guy was ever over. Um, the, what is it? get these hands yeah like
0: get these hands gimmick
1: yeah i i thought it was a stupid t-shirt i thought it was stupid with the little train thing running what around the
0: train noise when they were in the Thunderdome. that was the worst decision i i mildly understood piping in crowd noise but the addition of the train noises and matt riddle's like the birds flying out of his flip flops and all the other stuff and like the video game entrances i feel like all of that like took away some of the lore of what it meant to be a professional wrestling fan because it almost became too cartoony for me. I think that's also why I like things like AEW and NXT because it's less cartoony. Yeah, they're flippy, super kicky, backflippy, like BS stuff, but like when it comes down to it, they still focus a little bit more on wrestling than they do the entertainment side of it.
1: Yeah, so... I agree with you on that. Like, I think they went way too far. I think whoever these kids are that are writing these shows at this point and talking, you know, old man Kevin Dunn into doing this kind of production, it's a joke. Um, when I say, when I hear cartoony, naturally I go back to Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling cartoon because uh, I was actually alive when it was there and that's watching like it on Saturday pretty, mornings. You're kind of old. Yeah, a little bit. So yeah, that's not the light that's gray. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, for those of you on radio or podcast, I was pointing out my head. Um, but, you know, like, I look at that Hulk Hogan's Rockin' Wrestling. And, again, we're going off subject just a little bit, but Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, Junkyard Dog, Roddy Piper, Nikolai Volkoff, Iron Sheep, Jimmy Snuka, Fabulous Moolah, Wendy Richter, all on this show, Captain Lou. If you look at their wrestling career and you look at, you know, that... 83 to 86 push they had not a lot of them were around very long but those are the guys that my generation worship like the Iron Sheik other than being on Howard Stern for the past couple years and being crazy you wouldn't really associate the Iron Sheik as one of the top wrestlers ever Nikolai Volkov definitely not but because they were on this cartoon Big John Stubb was on it too because they were on this cartoon you felt like, oh my gosh, as a kid, when you saw the real life person, then it, you connected with them. And I think getting back to the Wyatts, that's kind of like how the Wyatts were. Like it was like you were watching a movie, like you were watching um Cape Fear, and it was coming to life. Like you were watching Robert De Niro's character in Cape Fear. Now, as a professional wrestler with Bray Wyatt portraying him, and it felt, wow, this guy could really be Psycho and kill me or, you know, feed me to gators, Um, you know, so cartoony to me, I think it's a, I I know what it means, but I think honestly, if they made a cartoon of professional wrestling right now, then they would have the kids back into it, they would have a new generation watching it and wanting to be part of this cartoony generation without having to do cartoons on the actual matches, because when you tuned in on Saturday morning, you saw a cartoon you know, saving the day. When you watched Hulk Hogan on Sunday afternoons, you could see a match with some blood, and you are like, "Okay, this is real." Like that's when he was real. The cartoon was one thing, and the character on the actual screen was something different. But you got hooked. If so, that makes any sense.
0: No, it does. So we're we're looking at it like that. I mean, yeah, the the cartoon. When I guess when I say cartoony, I'm not necessarily meaning like literal cartoon. I guess what I'm talking about is like the alexis playground stuff and like all that supernatural paranoia stuff i feel like or paranormal stuff i feel like that's what i mean when i say cartoony yes. that, that's pure entertainment there's no wrestling value behind any of it i uh, do like alexa's new character where she's coming out as a wrestler again and the the raw women's title scene but i hope that they rebrand her and they go back to her goddess uh gimmick and they get away from Alexa's playground i just i'm not a fan no, she's a she's
1: always been a goddess to me so
0: i know you got a, a thing for her. so uh moving on we know daniel bryan um my understanding is uh according to brian alvarez daniel bryan is all but signed with aw it's just a matter of when they're going to bring him out we know that he's been ranked number one multiple times by pro wrestling illustrated and the wrestling observer like he's been always in the top 50 forever as being one of the best professional wrestlers on the market when Brian Danielson was in major league wrestling or major league wrestling and he was doing the independent scene. He was like the King of the independent circuit. So like he, his reputation goes without saying, so seeing him work somewhere like AEW, for instance, who's somebody on their roster that you want to see Brian Danielson go against? I got to tell you,
1: I want to see him against punk and I know it's been done a million times but to me when i look at the AEW roster they are the true superstars of that roster um kenny omega again i don't know the guy i've tried to watch his stuff in japan i'm just not a huge fan the young bucks i think are i'm not even going to talk about i think we've talked about them enough um i'd like to see daniel bryan you know against an older jericho at this point like i want to see him against the other wwe guys um the only one that i think aew born and raised i'd want to see him against is um the cowboy what's his name
0: uh hangman adam page
1: yeah hangman adam page like that's a guy and i from what i understand like he's not even being like focused on on aew at this point like he's just kind of been passed off um i think
0: adam page was when he was in ring of honor with those guys he was part of the bullet club vin in the ring of honor days and then he got brought over in anticipation of being pushed to the world title scene because him and Omega, you got to keep in mind, they held the world tag team titles for years. Right. Uh, no, yeah. Not years. I guess they haven't been around for years, but like yeah, they a had year. a long reign as the world tag team champions. My exaggeration, it felt like years. Cause I despise Kenny Omega. He is. Yeah. Not-
1: I don't know why they kicked Adam Page of the curve. Like it's, he seems like the most talented guy of the group. He's got a good character behind him. And they put him in with the Dark Order, and I just don't get it. Like, I don't get why you're putting him with this B-job team um, instead of – Oh
0: man. Evil Luno is a beast. Like, that dude can work. Like, you give him – I think Evil Luno, you know, he could be – like, I don't think he would ever be a – he's not going to be a main event guy. But Evil Luno could totally be the TNT champion.
1: Yeah, I yeah think, I'd give him that.
0: And I also think that the Dark Order – is made for the Freebird rule.
1: Yeah, and I, I the thing that they're lacking, there's two things I'd say. One, they're lacking a leader, which we're going to roll into, I'm sure. But two, they're lacking what their true definition of their character is. Like, it started out as this dark group, and then all of a sudden, they start doing comedy skits on YouTube, and they lost their character. Like, it just, they lost what their focus is. Like, because they were trying to portray one thing on TV um, and then they're doing something else on the internet. And it just didn't make any sense. Even with Brody Lee being there, it didn't make any sense. Like Brody Lee comes in as this hardcore, you know, slap them around type of guy, you know, on TV to where, okay, if you don't watch the YouTube, you're like, all right, I get it. But then when you watch the YouTube for the first time, all of a sudden you see him smacking them with papers and it's laughable. Like it just it didn't it felt so much re, it felt so much more real on television on the AEW program versus what the YouTube program was. And I think that they they've got to figure out how to get their characters back. And I think that if the rumors are true, maybe uh, when the rotundo could could bring it all back together.
0: OK, so since you brought him up, let's take a look at moving up the Wyatt family roster, looking at Luke Harper. Um, like we talked about in the WWE, the man had some uh, great independent, like in like individual success. He was in the IC title picture a few times. I'm sure he probably had more than one run in uh, some main event stuff, looking towards the title runs. But I like the focus mainly when he transitioned, when he left WWE and he came on as the leader of the Dark Order. Like you were just saying, when he came on as Brody Lee, the supreme leader. You like take a look at some of the stuff he did with Cody Rhodes when the TNT title became involved, the strap match, and then like the street fights and stuff between them, those guys had a series of matches that are some of the best in AEW's history.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Brody, like when he started, like, I I don't know, things like early 2000s, like 2003, four, somewhere around there. um, You know, he came in as a backyard guy, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't trained, you know, specifically, you know, he didn't go to wrestling school. Like he really did come up the hard way and, I would say he really shocked me when he got fired from WWE. Like I, like they, the bludgeon brothers was going on. Um, you know, they they had so much like afterlife of the Wyatt family that it seemed like Luke Harper was a natural fit, like a natural singles competitor, um, even a natural tag team competitor uh, with, with Eric Rowan. And the fact that they let him go first, it just, kind of shows you the disconnect that WWE has to what the fans want and what they truly have in their possession when it comes to a star. And I think Brody Lee, Luke Harper was a star that they let go way too early. And AEW, I think, did mishandle him originally with his imitation of Vince McMahon. Like the steak, um, how, how he cut it and stuff like that, or sneezing, yelling at people about sneezing. All these Vince McMahonisms. I think they they tried to they tried to go after him in a WCW Eric Bischoff style way, real not realizing though that their fan base is not WWE fans. I don't think the AEW fan base is WWE fans. Although I think they are transitioning now to that fan base. Like I think the um, I think Brody was, I think I I feel like he was like the first one to really jump from WWF. WWE to AEW, and they lost. They lost the appeal of what made us really like Luke Harper from the independent scene.
0: Um, John just uh, John Moxley was the first to go over because Chris Jericho opened True. it being the elite, then John Moxley, then it was Brody Lee and those guys. Um, gotcha. so moving on, going into my personal favorite member of the Wyatt family, the without question, the leader Bray Wyatt. We know during his time with the family, he was a WWE champion, and we know later he had another gimmick, the Eater of Worlds, and he had a chance then to, uh, to be a world heavyweight champion. And then he had The Fiend. So where do you want to start with Mr. Wyatt as a whole? Which one of his gimmicks do you feel like we should spend the most time on?
1: So I think to understand Bray Wyatt, you've got to understand where he came from. And where he came from was blackjack Mulligan was his grandfather. Um, You know, one of the most hardcore professional wrestlers before hardcore was word, professional wrestlers out there. You know, just a big guy, uh, WWE Hall of Famer, uh, part of the Black Jacks from the AWA and WWF, and uh, ended his career in the NWA slash WCW. His dad, Mike Rotunda, a world-class athlete, Syracuse University, uh, part of the Varsity Club back in WCW. Part of that uh, tag team I mentioned earlier, the US Express, which Bray later on, I remember the name now, took over um, Waylon Mercy type character. is Waylon Mercy was the name of the character in the 80s, early 90s, um, WWF, when they tried to do that. Um, so, Bray's got the pedigree. Um, you know, he, he grew up in professional wrestling. Uh, you know, the guy's first real name is Wyndham after his uncles and his last name is Rotunda after his dad. Like, he... he he knows professional wrestling and his Avenue is he's a big man. So he doesn't go in there and, you know, want to do the, you know, uh, Greco Roman style wrestling that I'm, that he's capable of because he was a high school wrestler. He's character driven and he gets that part of it. And he, I think he gets that from his dad. He gets that from his grandfather. He obviously, you know, Dusty Rhodes, big family friend. Um, You know, he's got uncles, aunts, everybody in professional wrestling and Bray, Bray Wyatt. I think, I think Bray Wyatt will be one of the best wrestling producers later on in his life. Like, I think, I think he's our next generation, triple H trainer, dusty Rhodes back, you know, that, um, I, the, the guy from the Everglades, I thought that was a really cool character because other people had tried it like Skinner, uh, Steve Hearn, um, you know, and Mercy had tried it and it never picked up. Now all of a sudden this cult leader did pick up and it went over and it was big. Um, the fiend you talk about you know the all the you know extra extra stuff that they did, you know the haunted stuff and all that. nobody had ever I think really seen a cinematic match before. and the fiend was able to introduce that. So Bray Wyatt is a great character. But I really think the man behind the character is what's going to lead professional wrestling into the next chapters.
0: So I've got two different opinions on the Fiend character. You had two different versions of him, in my opinion. You had the 2019 Fiend, which was when he first came around. He had his initial run with Finn Balor. Then he ran against Seth Rollins. He eventually had his first universal championship run Then he lost, he dropped the title, then he got it back, and then he dropped it a second time. Um, I feel like that fiend was a better story, a better gimmick, a better, because it wasn't necessarily supernatural. It was a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of thing. When he was, you know, Bray Wyatt, he was doing the Firefly Funhouse. The puppets and stuff were about as extreme as he went, and he more referenced it as like, an alter ego versus like this evil controlling thing versus later in 2020 when they adapted wrapping back around to the Alexa's playground stuff when they started incorporating her into the gimmick and everything which eventually led to his demise in the company because at first regard the Alexa character popped more so they kind of phased him out after Wrestlemania we never saw him again. And if you heard heard how that happened, he got booed off the stage the second day of WrestleMania because of that match with Orton. Orton won clean. It goes over. One, two, three. Bray disappears. Everything's gone. And people just start booing. They're like, what in the world
1: is this? Yeah. um, So my opinion on that is, one, I don't think that the Mr. Rogers character should have ever left the funhouse. I don't think that. Bray Wyatt should have ever wrestled in that red sweatshirt or red uh, sweater I don't feel like that was that I think that was like the whole demise of the character I think that's where the character really started to fall apart because that guy's the happy-go-lucky guy um, you know spreading love and joy that's kind of just sick in the head so for him to go in a ring and have combat with somebody I think that's where they lost sight of the character Um, obviously the fiend going and losing to Goldberg was the death of the character. I don't think the character could have returned from that, you know, especially now, again, this is just a couple years later, you're seeing Goldberg lose to everybody he goes in the ring with, you know, at this point, Um, the Alexa Bliss thing. I heard a lot of like different rumors about like, you know, that like, she wasn't happy. She didn't want to do the character, um, even though they were friends um, and he felt the same way. Like they were pushing her into this, thing that she didn't need. She could still be the hot goddess, you know, doing good matches and things like that. Like, you know, she can com- she had a competitive match with ronda Rousey, you know, for God's sake. Like it's it's not to where she needed this character change. Like it was kind of cool, it was kind of fun. But again, she's the same character in the fun house as she is out of the fun house. And that's I think where the disconnect is. And I think I think the character itself would have been cool and could have stayed cool if they would have realized this guy needs to stay here. And this guy is the fighter. Like, you know, the, the good guy with the sweater stays in the room, plays with the puppets. The puppets represent different people. You got a Vince McMahon puppet. You got a Husky Harris puppet. You got his sister puppet. Um, the rabbit that, you know, is always abused, which I I always thought like that was him behind the scenes getting abused. Um, uh, that, that, that was my opinion. And then the vulture was kind of what he wanted to say, but he never actually said. And maybe I'm just reading too deep into it, but you know, I am a wrestling fan.
0: I like the Vince McMahon puppet with the devil horns. I thought that was kind of poetic. Um, So what what was the dance? The dance?
1: Yeah. The, the, the dance he did where he wore the, you don't don't remember that when he wore the, the, um, the muscle man dance. No, you gotta, you gotta go look that up. Who? Bray. He did the muscle man dance.
0: I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know how that slipped through the cracks.
1: <laughs> you, dude. When, when you watch it, you're going to thank him.
0: Okay. So let's talk about individual success. Uh, when he was tag team partners with Matt Hardy, let's not forget about that. Um, after Jeff had left on one of his hiatuses, uh, you got Matt Hardy that came out him and Bray Wyatt, the leaders of worlds or whatever the stupid gimmick was when they were a tag team. And, uh, They were a tag team champions. And like I said, he had the free bird run. He was a tag team eliminator tournament with Matt Hardy to win the tag titles. He's been in top 50 multiple times, professional wrestlers across the in in the world. He's had the best gimmick. He's had the worst gimmick. He's had the best feuds and the worst feuds. I feel like Bray Wyatt as a whole kind of represents like the perfect example of WWE starting a character and him being able to grow on it or him starting a character and the WWE ruining it, depending on which direction it goes with. Because I feel like the fiend was one of those things he started and then the WWE ruined.
1: Yeah. So this is where Bray to me is more than what big show is. He's more than what Braun Strowman is. Braun Strowman and big show to me, WWE would put them in the main event when they wanted to put them in the main event, but all the rest of the time you expected them to lose bray wyatt or the fiend i never expected him to lose like i always thought he had a chance to win the matches um like wrestlemania versus randy orton i thought he was going to win the match like where big show or braun I i don't know if you're following me on that but like you know those guys would job every week on tv to anybody and everybody and then when wwe wanted to like you know oh these guys are main event stars they put them in the picture just out of nowhere and that you know they did they did that with Bob Holly against uh, Lesnar at one point too at Royal Rumble and I thought that was just a joke like how are you going to think Bob Holly's going to beat like you know Brock Lesnar like it's a joke um, but they would do that with Big Show and Strowman all the time make them hot and then cool them off make them hot cool them off Bray I always felt because of his character driving it was always hot I don't think he was ever cooled off and every time he lost a match it felt like something major like you know, wow, why did Bray, why did Bray lose to Goldberg? Why did he lose to this guy? Like, why did he lose to this guy? It never made sense because he was so over the entire time. And I think Alexa did hurt it because he didn't need this wacky sidekick. If anything, you put sister Abigail as Alexa, who had already been hinted, excuse me, hinted to that in the Braun Strowman uh, match. Why do you just go that direction instead of making her this, Whacked out, like you know, heroin addict.
0: A whacked out heroin addict?
1: That's what she looks like.
0: I don't think. Have you ever seen somebody do heroin, Bobby? No, I haven't. Okay, I don't. I don't. It's, eh, not quite I, I would, I'd watch her do it though. You would watch her do heroin. You're a weird dude. Okay, <laughs> so like just kind of wrapping it up, we got the Wyatt family. Our previous episode you and I did together, we talked about the shield. So Looking forward, our next episode you and I will do together, what we're going to do is we're going to combine these two together and really talk about the rivalry that brought the Shield and the Wyatt family together. So what we're going to do is we're going to continue to build it up until now it's going to be the Wyatt family versus the Shield, how they battled, what the six of them looked like together. I know they had a great clash at Survivor Series one year, I believe. But, like, let's take a look at that. So just a little bit of a tease on what's coming. Uh Wyatt's versus the shield. Um Bobby Mack, let's take a second real quick, brother. You tell everybody where they can find you right now on all your social medias. Yeah, you can find me at uh Yellow
1: Shoe Guy at uh on TikTok. Um right now I'm picking on my cousin. I'm doing roller coaster stuff and generally just filming my stupidity. So check me out there anytime. Um maybe Will will throw up my uh, QR code and you guys can just scan your phone right on the screen and be able to follow me.
0: Nice. Well, uh, as always, my friend, I appreciate you coming on, chatting about some wrestling. You and I will get together soon. We'll wrap this series up and we'll knock it out. Um, Have a good rest of your night, my friend, and I will talk to you soon.
1: All right, sounds great. Looking forward to the rubber match of uh, the Wyatts versus the Shield. Thanks, brother. Later.
0: now as we close another episode of Bodge pots and chair shots i'd like to take this chance to thank you for listening remind you to go to wherever you pick up your favorite podcast google podcast apple podcast stitcher spotify iHeartRadio. radio jeez so many options Take a moment to like, subscribe, unsubscribe, and subscribe again. Leave a comment telling us how great we are, or how terrible we sound. Either way, it helps the algorithm and gets to find new listeners. It helps to get our word out there. Make sure to follow us at Bot Spots and share on Twitter and Instagram. I am your host, V Will Gray, and thanks for stopping by and listening, my people.